Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to another exciting edition of Taylor Bay Sports with Kevin Taylor. It is great to be with you here from the capital city of Georgia, my hometown of Atlanta. And on this program, we're going to recap last weekend's action here in Atlanta and also locally as well with our college teams and also the Atlanta Falcons and even touch on the Atlanta Hawks. So make sure that you get ready for that. But it was a down weekend for our sports teams in the metro Atlanta area as Georgia and Georgia Tech suffered disappointing losses. Georgia went into the game against Florida down at Jacksonville with high expectations, I'm sure. They changed quarterbacks even though the quarterback play was struggling and the offense was struggling. They looked at this game as, of course, a rivalry game that they could get back on track but it just was not to be. Georgia was basically shut down and embarrassed in Jacksonville by the Florida Gators losing 27-3. to So we'll get into that in just a few minutes. Also, Georgia Tech thought that they could get back into the winning track. I thought they could get back into the win column, but that was not to be as well to go up to Virginia and lose to the Cavaliers last weekend. But thankfully, they have a bye this coming weekend, so uh, they can get – everything that's wrong, right, and hopefully in the season on the positive note when they resume play against Virginia Tech next week. Also, the Atlanta Falcons, they battled back for turnovers, did them in this past weekend against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I was at the game, and I've got to show a lot of love to the staff of uh, the Atlanta Falcons, uh, media staff and media relations, and thanks so much for treating me very well uh, as I was at the game on Sunday. And uh, But the Falcons come up short, and this one, in overtime, 23-20 to 20 against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. James Winston makes his Atlanta debut uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and uh, comes in and gets a win. And he even scored a touchdown. But at the same time, uh, they are – the Falcons uh, have been a little inconsistent. But at the same time, Dan Quinn and the staff, they know what they have to do to right that ship. And I think the Falcons will be fine. And what was the key word for Aaron Rodgers last year, my friends? That's right, it was – Relax. I think the Falcons will be fine. Every team kind of goes through a, a game or two where they may struggle, but this coaching staff, this team, they go into every game knowing that they can win and expect to win, and whatever may go wrong, they are going to get the job done to try to fix whatever happened in the last game to be corruptible for the next game. Yeah, they're going into San Francisco this coming weekend with uh, that expectation to get that win going into their bye the following week. But, of course, we will uh, have comments, post-game comments and reaction from head coach Dan Quinn, also quarterback Matt Ryan, and my one-on-one interview with Justin Hardy. So make sure that you stay for that. But we're going to start the program saying congratulations to the Kansas City Royals as they are the 2015 World Series champions. So they knock off the New York Mets in five games. Salvador Perez is named the World Series MVP. It was a colossal parade <laughs> for the Royals. They got to tie that in with royalty, colossal, you know, but uh, it, it was a great atmosphere in Kansas City. Their first title in 30 years. Can you believe that? Wow. And even though he was not on the um, roster, the playoff roster, but can you believe Johnny Gomes was acquired from Braves and, uh, you know, played for the Royals down the stretch? Yeah, you know, how how gratifying is that? You know, you're still, you know, in in the mix, so to speak. I'm pretty sure they still probably had him around and everything, even though he wasn't on the roster. But still, I mean, 
it was just a, a great atmosphere. It reminds me of Atlanta 25 years ago, or close to 25 years ago, when the Braves went from worst to first back in 91. Even though they did not win the World Series, but the the city still turned out and showed a lot of love for the Braves. And that's what this reminds me of, a young team who has a, a proven manager. And Ned Yokes, of course, you know, he basically is from the Bobby Cox tree or umbrella, if you will, and, you know, knows how to get the job done. And now back-to-back World Series appearances and wins the second time going into uh, the Fall Classic. And, uh, wow, you know, uh, just congratulations all around to the staff, management, videos, players, everybody for Kansas City. Job well done. And uh, they did it with uh, timely hitting and great pitching down the stretch. And in baseball, that's what you have to have to win the World Series, and they did just that. And, uh, hey, the Braves, that was their philosophy back in the early 90s. Kansas City is going in the same route now, and we'll see if the Braves can get back to that uh, coming up in 2016. So they've got some uh, young players on the horizon, and uh, on the horizon they will continue to grow, and we'll see how far the Braves will go next year. But that's what the Kansas City Royals remind me of, a young Braves team back in the early 90s for sure, with uh, uh, good hitters and some great pitchers who are now in the Hall of Fame. It's TaylorMade Sports with Kevin Taylor. Thank you so much for joining me. Make sure that you check out TaylorMade Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at KevinTaylor98. Coming up, we're going to uh, recap the Atlanta Falcons game this past Sunday inside the Georgia Dome against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as they lost 23-20. to and you're going to hear post-game comments from head coach Dan Quinn, quarterback Matt Ryan, as well as my one-on-one interview with wide receiver Justin Hardy, who made his NFL debut on Sunday. There was a lot of excitement around that for sure. But, you know, it's like, you know, when people ask you, you know, which one do you want first, the good news or the bad news? Because the Georgia Bulldogs, like I said, they went into this game last, last week trying to have a lot of positive, a lot of positiveness around them. Uh, forget the fact that your starting running back, who is a Heisman Trophy candidate, is not on the field because of a knee injury. His this season is, is over. Forget the fact that you have had inconsistent play from your quarterback position, basically for the past three or four games. Forget the fact that you have asked quarter offensive touchdown now, you know, in various quarters. And it has two games now. Um, it's it's a concern. It's a concern. And you know Brian Schottenheimer. I, I don't know if he's consulted with Mark Wick. Mark Wick consulted with Brian Schottenheimer. Whatever the case may be, but it's some type of dysfunction there. It is because I've never seen Georgia in this type of disarray offensively before. Never. Mark Rick, I think, has been at the program for 15 years. He, you know, he's normally had consistent quarterback play. The biggest name that you love, Matthew Stafford. Yes, NFL quarterback with the Detroit Lions. Aaron Murray in the NFL. He's had consistent play up until now. And it really showed on Saturday. Let me tell you what I mean. Kelvin Taylor ran for 121 yards and two touchdowns. So that was on the defense. Antonio Callaway delivered another huge play, and Gators beat Georgia 27-3 to last Saturday. 
to move a step closer to the SEC title game. The Gators dominated, and I mean they dominated the Bulldogs, and Bulldogs fans are not happy. They are really calling for Mark Rick to be out like you would not believe and the local media is doing the same. But I don't think Mark Rick is going to actually just give in. He's not, I don't think, going anywhere. I think he's going to stay the course. He's going to remain faithful because he's struggling to save. And I, I think that he's going to see every team go through a losing tree. Look at Georgia Tech. But the only difference between Georgia and Georgia Tech, Tech's fans are not as vocal as Georgia. That's the key. But um, like I said, the Gators, they dominated this game. Uh, the Bulldogs were held to only 223 yards total and a field goal. A field goal. I mean, Florida's defense is good, but not that good. It just holds you to a field goal. So that means that it was Georgia's offense that was the problem. Uh, John Bullard, a 400, he's a defensive tackle. He said it should have been a shutout. Uh, but, hey, it was good enough for Florida's second straight win in this in this series between the two border war rivals. <laughs> and uh, this one, it, it, it left the Gators a 71 on the season. 5 and 1 in the SEC. One conference victory from clinching the SEC East. And that's a big part. That is a big part of the Gators' demeanor right now, getting that conference title and still with some games to spare. Uh, the Gators actually, actually can wrap up the SEC East by beating Vanderbilt next week. And of course, if that happens, Florida will earn its first trip to Atlanta. Inside the Georgia Dome, since Tim Tebow was quarterback in his senior year of 2009. How about that? But Georgia, they're going in the opposite direction. They're 5-3, and 3-3 three, three and three in the SEC, and uh, they have few uh, opportunities now to really win the SEC East. And that pretty much went out the window this past weekend. The loss was nearly as ugly as that 28-point uh, loss at home to Alabama in early October. And, uh, like I said, just turned up the heat. Uh, Mark Ritt. I mean, he was already on the hot seat for sure, and that just made it even hotter. Now, here's the thing. Uh, Mark Ritt, he said, if you are a leader in any way, shape, or form, you're going to be criticized in good times and in bad times. But here's the thing about that. People know that Georgia in big games, such as this, they don't deliver. They don't. They don't. They, they come up short. Alabama, Georgia Tech last year, they don't deliver. And that's what people are criticizing Martin Rick for. And uh, Rick just had 5-10 in this series. Can you believe that? But he also went to say that uh, that's part of it. Our jobs as head coaches are very, very public and very, very emotional because you have so many people who care so much about their program. Now, Rick's decision to change quarterbacks, it didn't really spark a sputtering offense, to be honest with you. Uh, Rick benched uh, Grayson Lambert. He failed to throw a touchdown pass against Vanderbilt, Alabama, and Missouri. And uh, instead of going to Bryce Ramsey, who may have been a little bit of a better option, he, he instead chose uh, Fatah uh, uh to make his first career start. And that did not go over very well. It, it, it just did not. Uh, the junior who's from West Palm Beach completed 15 or 33 passes for 154 yards, but he had four picks. This third came in the end zone with Georgia trying to make it 20-10, to 10, but making things tougher on bottom. Uh, the Bulldogs managed to 69 yards rushing. Tony Michelle carried the ball 13 times for 45 yards. That's not going to get it done at all. 
Uh, of course, the Gators put the game away midway through the fourth quarter thanks to Jordan uh, Scarlett's 60 yard run and Taylor's 16 yard score. Taylor put an ankle breaking move. That's what it was called, an ankle breaking move for a quarterback, Malcolm Parrish. And uh, he found his way to the end zone for the uh, 10th touchdown of the season for him. Uh, the Gators built a 20 to nothing lead at halftime. And that was because of the three used plays, one from the offense, one from the defense, and one from special teams. Uh, Nick Washington was coming uh, a punt in the end zone. Uh, Trent Harris scrambled and uh, found Callaway for a 66-yard touchdown score on the sideline. And uh, Vernon Hargrave's third returning interception to the five-yard line, setting up Kelvin Taylor's first touchdown of the game. Uh, the Gators, of course, they went on from there. And... Uh, the rest, they, as they say, is history. So the Gators move on. Georgia try to move on. They face Kentucky at home this coming Saturday in Athens. So um, I don't think that uh, there's going to be a lot of fanfare made over this uh, game here coming up on Saturday. I think Georgia's going to try to get back on the winning track, of course, but that remains to be seen. Uh, so we shall see. I think Georgia will win against Kentucky. I know I said that last, year, last week. <laughs> That they were going to beat Florida in Jacksonville. But I think a lot is on the line here. And and for Georgia to come out flat and lose to Kentucky, yeah, it's going to be – I hate to think what's going to be over in Athens on Saturday if they lose that game. Wow. What do you think about this? Uh, reach out to me on Facebook and Twitter at Kevin Taylor 98 Make sure that you do. Let me know if you feel that uh, the Bulldogs can pull off the win in a game that they're supposed to win coming up this Saturday, all right? It's Taylor Main Sports with Kevin Taylor. Thank you so much for being a part of the program. And on Sunday, like I said, I was I was down at the Georgia Dome, and I was very thankful for that, uh, to be able to see the Falcons for the first time this season in person as they took on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a good rivalry game in the division. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are no slouches. Don't, don't sleep on the Buccaneers. Uh, this NFC South division is going to be a tough one going down the stretch, I feel. The Saints are, are, are coming to life. They're now at 500. The Falcons are 6-2. and two. Carolina's still undefeated. The only team in the NFC to be undefeated at 7 all. They took on Indianapolis this past Monday night and got the job done in overtime. But the Falcons, they stumble with the turnovers, uncharacteristic turnovers uh, for the Falcons in this game. Um, the Falcons have allowed 12 turnovers in the, in the last four games, and it's uh, you know, pretty much a bad stretch. Uh, when you look at it, but uh, it was costly. And they also had some penalties as well to uh, go along with those turnovers that did not uh, uh, go well here. Uh, the Buccaneers scored 20 points off four giveaways, and the Falcons defense had no takeaways. And the team further sealed its fate with 11 penalties. Like I was saying, 11 penalties, that's not really going to help you at all. Uh, head coach Dan Quinn noticed players getting anxious after committing mistakes. Uh, he also said every play now seems like the most critical play of the game. That's what he said earlier this week. That's really what you try to avoid. Now, of course, the Falcons are 6-2. And, two, and uh, uh, you know, it's funny because the Falcons are undefeated, 4-0. They swept the NFC East. Can you believe that? They are 2-0 against the AFC South, but 0-2 in your own division of the NFC South. Wow. Uh, they actually, as we record this program here on Wednesday, uh, November 4th, uh, they actually returned to practice to prepare for uh, this weekend's trip to San Francisco. And speaking of San Francisco, as we get back to the Falcons in a second, they're in disarray. Oh, boy, they are in disarray. 
uh, trade Vernon Davis to the Broncos, and basically you don't really have a big-time receiver. Uh, Colin Kaepernick struggled, and he's been benched. Yes, Colin Kaepernick has been benched. Uh, one of the guys with the uh, you know well-known faces on the you know in the NFL, not alone the San Francisco 49ers team, but in the NFL has been benched. And in comes Blaine Gabbard. Now, no fans of Jacksonville remember that name, but uh, Blaine Gabbard is going to be taking over for Colin Kaepernick this Sunday with the Falcons go out to San Francisco for a 405 kickoff to face the 49ers. Uh, now, here, here is the interesting thing here. Cal um, McLeod had the news first, and he followed it up. Shortly after his first report, he tweeted out regarding the timing of the benching. And uh, it was speculation and reports Monday evening regarding the timing of the benching. And uh, some suggested that the team was considering it. And depending on how Kaepernick did against the New York Giants and Baltimore Ravens, but uh, he did find some success in about Kaepernick's time. But his struggles the last two weeks stopped any momentum he had. And, the change, of course, has happened. Now, uh, basically, in McClurg's tweet, it called the Falcons' defense weak. They wanted to start playing Gabbard at home against the weak Falcons' defense. The Falcons basically tweeted back out saying, oh, very interesting there. So we'll see if that provided bulletin board material up in Flowery Branch. And uh, so that tweet went out Monday, I'm sorry, Tuesday morning of old from the Atlanta Falcons. Like, oh, you think our defense is weak? Okay, well, we're not going to tweet or we're not going to talk. We're just going to let our play speak for itself. So I think the Falcons will step up on Sunday and uh, probably will be building more material because the Falcons' defense, they've, they've, they've made some big plays on some key spots. But to play consistently, if I'm Dan Quinn, I'm putting that up because I want my team to know that this this is a disrespect. Here's a team that is doing six on the season in different ways, and you're calling, or at least someone has called my defense weak. Okay, I'll show you. That's what I would do. I mean, I'm just saying, but I'm not a head coach. I'm just doing internet sports radio show. <laughs> That's what I would do. And it could be motivation for the Falcons, even if they don't need any other motivation. But I think uh, the Falcons will already be up for this game, and uh, they're going to go about just like they normally do every week, trying to get a win. And like I told you, every week they know that they can get wins because they feel like they are competent to be able to go out and get wins that they should get. Uh, Now, Coach Quinn also said that they have to clean things up because I don't think it's broken as much as we can get sharper at it. He also said I can say that because of the first four games of where we were at with a turnover margin. Now, Matt Ryan does have to play better. We know that. Ryan has thrown five interceptions and lost three of six fumbles since the Falcons blowout win over Houston in week four. Now, keep in mind, though, Ryan has led two late winning drives against the Washington Redskins and Tennessee Titans, and his past Sunday helped the Falcons move 40 yards in five plays to tie the score 
in the closing seconds of regulation. So I think consistency is the word there for Matt Ryan. And I think this week would be a good way for him to get back on track. Uh, Coach Quinn said that I had a sense that he played real well. He had 10 different receivers who caught a ball and accuracy that was there. So they're trying to spread the ball around, you can tell that. They're trying to distribute it. Julio had 12 catches with 13 targets. That's hard to do. I thought he had a good game. Of course, Matt Ryan is a three-time four bowl selection, but uh, he has been disappointed in his recent mistakes. But uh, he does believe that the problems will get fixed. Ryan said, uh, quote, I don't think we've played our best football. I think that's in front of us. That's going to be the challenging. Uh, that's going to be the challenge to everybody. And that's where everybody's mindset needs to be. Now, of course, Quinn, who has the final say on personnel moves, indicated the Falcons weren't unlikely uh, be aggressive going into Tuesday's trade deadline, and they were not. They were not. Uh, so uh, we'll still see how things go along on the free agent aspect as to how Falcons are signing players like they have been to this point uh, throughout the season. But uh, Mike Person, keep an eye on him because uh, he's playing with a sprained ankle, and he's a first-time starter at a new position. But he's in his seventh NFL season. So keep an eye on that. Uh, so now some other news and notes from the Falcons. Uh, Coach Quinn likes our rookie quarterback, Jalen Collins, who was a second-round draft pick from LSU, has improved over the last couple of weeks. Um, and uh, they may need J- Jalen Collins. And let me tell you why. Because starters Desmond Trufant, he entered his lower back on Sunday, and Robert Alford has a groin injury. And they're both recovering from those injuries, and that forced both guys, uh, both players, to lead the game early on Sunday. Uh, the secondary was also hampered with uh, starting strong safety William Moore. He has a groin injury. Uh, he was unable to dress for the game. Uh, wide receiver Roddy White says the team isn't making line of his own to record against the NFC South opponents. He said we should be better than that. We can play better on the offensive side of the ball, but we'll continue to get better, and I really do believe that. And uh, Coach Quinn also going back to my person said we have a lot of confidence and we want to make sure he keeps grinding to make our situations right. Now, like I told you, I was in the Falcons locker room after uh, Sunday's game, and uh, here's uh, Coach Quinn and his assessment about what happened uh, during the uh, overtime loss on. Guys, we get started. Yeah, really, the issue for us came down to the ball, football, and uh, not creating any takeaways defensively, and then finish, uh, you know, in a minus four turnover ratio. Uh, that recipe's hard. Uh, we've got a really tough outfit, and I think that showed. Uh, the fact that we're in this game uh, and taking it into overtime and having a chance to go win it uh, when you're in minus four. So that part's tough. Uh, the penalties were certainly a factor. Uh, I believe we had 11, you know, for the game. And part of our motto is finishing is doing right longer. And uh, that caught up to us today when uh, we were not able to do that. And uh, we'll give credit to Tampa in this case, uh, you know, for them being plus four. So uh, that's where it was for us. The issue came down to the ball. With that, I'll open it up to some questions. All right, so uh, Dan Quinn addressing the media after Sunday's game, and uh, basically he knows that the turnovers, you know, did him in, so he's going to try to correct that. And uh, let's hear from Matt Ryan and his assessment about what happened this past Sunday. Absolutely. You know, I, I think three of our four turnovers were on the plus side of the 50. And uh, like you mentioned, that's just directly taking points off the board. Uh, it's something that we did not do a very good job of today. Um, I thought we battled. We moved the ball really well. Uh, did kind of everything we wanted to offensively other than protect the football and 
I think we had a, a few too many penalties as well. So, um, you know, we've got to be better than that. All right, and I think they would be better than that. So I look for the, these guys to come out on Sunday, of course, well-prepared, playing with a lot of discipline, and also just playing with a lot of passion because they did not like how that game ended this past Sunday in the matter that it did and, you know, kind of just doing themselves in. So uh, I think a lot a lot of mistakes will be corrected this coming Sunday. And, you know, it was great to uh, be able to talk to uh, rookie wide receiver Justin Hardy, who made his NFL debut this past Sunday. Uh, he caught two passes for 21 yards, and uh, his longest was 12 yards. So uh, congratulations to Justin, and I think he's going to have a bright future ahead. And uh, let's hear our conversation in the locker room after this past Sunday's game. Just in your around, you know, some top-tier receivers like Roddy White, Julio Jones, just talk about learning from them. Oh, it's great. You know, um, those guys are like big brothers to me. You know, um, when I came in, you know, they were just telling me ways, you know, to be better on the field once I get my chance, and uh, I appreciate them for that. And, uh, of course, you know, you got maybe a slight injury to your finger. How you how you looking right now going forward? Oh, uh, looking pretty good. You know, finger fine. You know, just need some ice on it. I'll be good. Did you have a little bit of butterflies uh, before the game, uh, you know, your first action there? Uh, no butterflies. You know, the guys really helped me out throughout the week. You know, just go out there, play free. You've been doing this all your life. You know, it's nothing different. And, of course, now you got the San Francisco 49ers coming up next week. Uh, you know, it's going to be a tough game just like any game, but uh, I know you're going to be ready. Uh, of course, you know, like I said, you got to prepare every week like it's a championship game. So um, that's really one of the things that we really hang our hats on, you know, every week is championship week. All right. That was Justin Hardy of the Atlanta Falcons. I'll make sure that you look out for him as the season goes on uh, for the team. And I think he's going to be a great uh, recipient of the ball and a good receiver and uh, hopefully turn into one of uh, Matt Ryan's favorite targets as well. It's Taylor Bay Sports. I'm your host, Kevin Taylor. Thank you so much for being a part of this exciting program. And, uh, of course, like I've been telling you, you can reach out to me on Facebook and Twitter and also Instagram to keep up with the program at Kevin Taylor 98 Now, the Atlanta Hawks, hey, they're going to be in action as we record this program. Uh, November 4th, they're going to be taking on Brooklyn at home. I'm actually going to be making my way down to the Arena to check them out as they take on the Nets. And, uh, you know, that's a rematch from uh, the first round of the uh, playoffs last season. So I'm pretty sure the Nets are going to be trying to come into Phillips Arena and trying to say, hey, you know, you knocked us out of the playoffs last year, so we're going to knock you off because the Hawks have won four straight after that awful uh, opening season game against Detroit. The Hawks have won four straight. So, you know, I think right now the Hawks are looking good. They're first in the division, even though it's early. But um, the Hawks have played pretty good basketball, uh, defeating Charlotte, Miami. You know, this is a this is a nice looking basketball team right now. So I think uh, you know the Hawks are, are where they want to be to start the season, and I think they're going to consistently, uh, you know, be in the top here of the Southeastern Division. I really do, and so uh, it, it's just, it's really. It's really the division of the Hawks to lose. I don't think that the Hawks are going into this season looking at it from the standpoint of, uh, of becoming second or third. They are going to want to be the number one seed again this year in the Eastern Conference, number one in the division. 
And, of course, the way they do that is going to be playing some good, aggressive style of basketball and defending. And they have really done that so far this season. And I think they're going to continue to do that throughout the season as well. So, um uh, the, the Hawks are playing some, some great basketball, uh, like I said. So I think that uh, you will see that, you know, continually. And uh, the Hawks are, are flying high right now. And that is what you want to have early in the season. That's really what you want to have. And uh, I think Coach Boothoser and the staff are going to keep this team grounded. They're not going to get overly confident. But just go out every game and play the style of basketball that the Hawks are accustomed to playing. Like I said, aggressive, and because Coach Coach Bud is all all always a said defend basically defend basically defend. So the Hawks and Wins have came over the New York Knicks, Charlotte Hornets, and Miami Heat. So um, uh, this week it it's going to be a tough contest between the Brooklyn Nets and the Hawks, but I think the uh, Hawks will take Brooklyn. On Wednesday, and let's look at the week ahead here for them. Uh, then the Hawks go to New Orleans on Friday to face the Pelicans. That tip-off will be at 8 p.m. Eastern. And then on Saturday, the Hawks return home to face the Washington Wizards. There'll be another playoff rematch from last year, the second round of the playoffs, as the Hawks will be at home against the Wizards at 7:30. That will be your tip time for that one. So that's the Atlanta Hawks week. Coming up. All right. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Taylor May Sports. Thank you so much for joining me. Coming to the next program, we'll go into more detail about the Atlanta Hawks, the Atlanta Falcons, the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. We'll be back in action because, like I said, they uh, lost their last game against the Virginia Cavaliers. But uh, I, I think they will be able to hopefully get back on track against a, uh, well, Virginia Tech team that's going to be playing with emotion. Uh, of course, uh, Coach Frank Beamer is retiring after the season, but uh, Georgia Tech lost this past Saturday, 27 to 21, in Charlottesville. But uh, their next game is coming up on Thursday, November 12th, in the Flats on the campus of Georgia Tech at Bobby Dodd Stadium. So we'll preview that game. Also, we'll talk more Georgia football as well and get ready for basketball because that's right around the corner also. So make sure that you check me out again on Facebook and Twitter to let you know what the next Taylor Bay Sports will be coming up, and we will be able to talk more of Atlanta sports because we always talk sports from Atlanta and around the country on Taylor Bay Sports with Kevin Taylor. Once again, you can find me on Facebook and Twitter and also Instagram at Kevin Taylor. Never be discouraged. Always encourage my friends. Until next time. I'm out.